Welcome to episode 31 of Sound Out Wave, the first podcast to reach planet Earth from Cybertron. I'm Nell, and I'm great at Transformers. And I'm Greg, and I suck at Transformers. This week, we'll be discussing More Than Meets the Eye, issues 34 and 35. finally in the single issues yeah we've made it through all of the the trades that were included in in the humble bundle i'm looking at the cover of 34 right now and it's got ultra magnus who uh points out that under subsection 11.3 of the autobot code appendix d entertainment it's an offense to feature on, on the cover of a publication a character who does not appear therein true and he is most certainly not in this book he is not i remember seeing this cover I I, forget, I can never remember exactly how long before the issues come out that the covers tend to make their appearance. Um, but I remember being very confused by this cover. <laughs> Just being like, what the hell is he, is he on about? What's he talking about? Um, and then you read the issue and you're like, he's really just not here. I don't know if... Uh, Brendan just felt like drawing Ultra Magnus. I probably know. just had some art laying around and like, <laughs> well, like can you at least know. make a joke out of it. It that <laughs> so is not very much uncommon. the same way we approach our own exactly. Album art. Is I'm like, well, do we want to talk about Transformers this week? I guess. Well, let's make it funny at least. Oh uh, yeah, let's do that. Now, one of the alternate covers, and hopefully it's in the humble bundle somewhere, is just uh, not that I saw. So oh, you have to tell me. It's stunning, and hopefully even. If nothing else, uh, go and you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna send you the link to it right real quick here. We're super professional right now. All right, um, I'll try and put this in the show notes for our <laughs> valued listeners. It's just stunning. Oh man, that looks gorgeous. It's uh, uh, minor Megatron. Megatron back right. in his like when he's underground and he's you know obviously labor class. He's working, but the and there's. He's writing by some dim kind of light, and the shadow cast on the wall behind him is full on like Warlord Megatron. King Megatron. Yes, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I would hang out with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Uh, so I will try to make sure people get to see that. Yes, fantastic. So, yeah, let's. uh, So, we know, first of all, Ultra Magnus is not here. Right. Uh, We can presume maybe Megatron is. The other thing that we we get as single issues that we don't get in the trades is the robot roll call. Mmm. So now you all know what I'm looking at every time yes. I open up these books. Finally. Because again, for some see. reason, I didn't go and open up my Humble Bundle when I went to <laughs> record any of these. It's just like, I have the issues. I'll just read my old ones. Um, Our good friends, First Aid, Blue Streak, who I don't yeah. think I know, do I? You do know Blue Streak. Yes, you do. Okay. Uh, and Mainframe, Trail Cutter, who I do know. Yes. And then Mr. Megatron down Mr. there. Mr. Megatron. So a very short list here this time. Blue Streak is the entertainment's officer. Oh, okay. So yes, back in the bar when they were looking through the movies and stuff and he uh, the girl was there as a girl and you know sure, was a, so yeah you you know him and the mainframe is usually hanging out on the bridge um with blaster and hound and everybody so gotcha just a, a dude who's sort of filling space oh <laughs> that's <laughs> all i know about him so far i mean i know is, stuff about him now that i've read this but sure sure well he was also do you if you remember the moment where jackpot was like drunk off of it off of his ass and was excited to see tailgate and he called oh, him like sure. mainframe was the one holding jackpot 
That's some deep characterization. I'm just saying, <laughs> if you're me, you say, "Oh, those two are those two are probably dating." I gotcha. You I, know, good to know. You I, just leap to that conclusion. And of course, first aid is our second in command medical officer, right behind yeah. Ratchet, who is sort of in the process of becoming no longer in command. Uh, and then Trail Cutter is the guy yeah. who like has he was some our resident problems. lush. Yeah, yeah, but not anymore. Fields. Megatron Fonzied his uh, fuel moderator or fuel intake moderation chip into place, so Boom. he can't get drunk anymore. You got own Trailbreaker Cutter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and then Megatron, I'm not familiar with him. So well, you're going to learn some stuff. Yeah, I'll just have to find out about that. I'll catch his catch can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so we begin our our tale. Uh, Offstead, what is that? Seventeen. Seventeen. Yes. Former lecture world. Yes. So we brought this up this up the last time we were hanging out with. The more than meets the eye crew um because they had been mentioning because of course the last time if we'll all recall we were with the rod pod group right. uh, and we know that everybody who was not an original member of the lost light was caught between this kind of rift between two lost lights so the original crew was kind of replicated but and they were phasing out of existence because there sure. were two of them in existence and they needed to fix that so everybody who wasn't initially on the ship when it took off the first time from cybertron we are seeing now because we know that it wasn't just the rod pod crew who had people on board who hadn't been in the original crew so now right. we're seeing some what other bots with uh, the other groups there yes um, so here's a group of them, and we do know um, they had mentioned that they were outside of a planet, and they had brought up the fact that it was a lecture world we kind of talked about. Um, you know, they had whole planets dedicated to subjects and um, for schooling and whatnot, so that was why they were... Very, they were worried about letting the planet be destroyed, right? Cause, because it might be inhabited. Well, and the best place to party is a college campus. Everybody knows that, right? Right. Um, so we're seeing here, and even in this discussion, it's a beautiful picture that we open up on. We have mainframe and blue streak and trail cutter. Trail cutter is cute and all kind of tucked up and sitting against a, a rock. And um, there's a sunset going on in the distance. And, um, yeah, like right away, we start off with the fact that trail cutter was not paying attention to whatever mainframe was trying to tell him. Right. He's, uh, he's reading Megatron's book. He is. He's reading towards peace. Um, and they have some great back and forth about it here in these next few panels, but yeah, mainframe's just kind of setting the scene for us in this first one. Um, Whereas he's seeing, you know, news feeds, you know, are talking about there was this great battle that's apparently just happened here. And he's saying right. it happened between the Galactic Council, who we've met. Mm. Um, they were the hats. Rod hates them. Sure. Uh, they were in the annual. Uh, the Black Block Consorta, who we've not seen, but they have been mentioned before. Mm. And then he says a bunch of mechs. So we know that the Galactic Council and the Black Block Consortia are not mechanical. They're... Right. But they are both like They're military, fleshy organics. Yes, and just huge military kind of sure. groups that patrol, you know, obviously galaxies and whatnot. And so apparently there was some sort of battle here, and he talks about something to do with um, a derelict ship, which we as readers know is the Lost Light. Yeah, I know. But those they guys. don't know this. <laughs> um, so he talks about that there are warp gates everywhere, and that those take forever to fade, which falls into what Nautica was saying last time about the space being worn down around the planet and These the fact books, that I'm, they lean yeah, heavily on each other. They know, yeah, 
there's a lot of world building here. There's a lot of stuff that all hangs together when you think back and you're like, oh yeah, they did establish that. So she yeah, was right and Mainframe is telling us exactly why it's all worn down. It's because there was apparently a big battle happening here very recently. There we go. So, with all that out of the way, and right. now they talk about towards peace. Yes, uh, and you know he's he's sort of making fun of Trail Cutter here, saying yeah. like, "What kind of nerd reads books?" It's like, look at this beautiful sunset, Trail Cutter. What are you doing reading the book? He's does he he's very British in these panel in this panel particularly. <laughs> he asks Trail Cutter what he's like. Um, do but you like trail cutter, <laughs> and then at the end he says, "Give us a look." When he wants to see the, he wants to see uh, towards peace, which is adorable, and I love that. Um, but even like the way that they're talking about Megatron in these panels, there's a lack of animosity in it. Like right. even when Blue Street jokes about it he, he says you know contains scenes of mild genocide even then they don't it doesn't sound like there's a a sting right, to it outright, when they're talking outright hatred or anything exactly which is interesting and i think is an important thing to kind of glean here from that um just in this relatively short amount of time that they've been around him it seems like maybe attitudes have softened for for some people at least a little bit um but yeah so trail cutter hands over his little of course it's like a it's almost like a nook or something uh sure, you know a, and, a like tablet, have books books we've seen. yeah uh, and and so he says that this particular version of Toward Peace is the post-war edition. Yes. Uh, which <laughs> has an added chapter uh, that, that, that basically they've added footage of Luna 2 telling the Decepticons to stand down. Right. So that's kind of the, the amended ending onto the book now, which is huge. Like, to think, yeah. and of course, and that's the funny thing, fans have asked James to, will you please just write all of Towards Peace, which like... <laughs> <laughs> I would read cover to cover. Um, but, you know, it, even just imagining what must be in that book to think that it ends then with Megatron telling sure, everybody to everybody to, I, I would hope that there's a little more context than that. But the good <laughs> news is we do see some of Toward Peace in this book. We do, and it's so good. Oh, I'm it so really excited. It really is. Uh, be, um, these books are very heavy. Like, I assume everybody, most people at least listening to this, have read these issues at this point, and these... Yes, if you haven't already heavy, read these, go issues. back and then reread them with us, because that's yeah. an excellent use of your time. Yeah. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, there, there's some stuff coming up here. So uh, as they're discussing this, Blue Streak's phone goes off and he's like, oh, that'll that'll be uh, may, uh, first aid. He's immediately like, oh, he's going to be crying that he's lost. Um, you know, just they're just kind of joking around, these guys. They're having just, fun. Just shooting the breeze. <laughs> they're not too concerned with the fact that they're kind of, <laughs> they've been uh, stranded on a planet um, after their, their shuttle and crew has disappeared. Uh, uh, and then they find Red Alert, and yes. he is looking at what appears to be a body. A body, a burned body. And they know that this, he it's a, a presumably Cybertronian. It's, mm -hmm. um, and yes, First Aid says he's Cybertronian. Um, he's very burned, and he's dying. Right. So, of First course. Aid, right. They, they, and Blue Streak points out his badge has been burned off. Right. So we don't know if it's an Autobot or Decepticon. Right. They just know. 
there's a bot here, he's dying. And immediately, you know, First Aid is blaming the council for this. Um, and he's saying that the council or the consortia came in, they smashed up this place, they've just, because we do know we have seen obviously some animosity towards um, Cybertronians from, specifically from the Galactic Council. We have seen that they don't care much for Cybertronians and what, and you know, because the war obviously has raged across entire sure, planets. Sure, some so, collateral damage. Yes. Um, so red alert. Yes. First red. aid. First aid. Jeez. Yep. That's the one. I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing a million times. I'm I sure. don't know how it still happens. Um, red is on Luna too. Um, but uh, yes. So first aid is immediately blaming them because, you know, and mainframe did just say that the two groups were just here. So uh, yes, first aid is blaming them for this destruction that we can see all around them. We can see that the place is smashed up and right. uh, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not looking good. And blue streak keeps going back to the idea. Like, well, we don't even know that he had a badge. Like maybe he's an unaffiliated bot. And first aid is like, what? Shut up. I'm a doctor. I have to heal people. Right. Like it doesn't matter if he's, Autobot Decepticon non-aligned. It doesn't matter. Right. We're and here to help. He goes out to get the supplies and uh, Mainframe is like, well, I mean, what kind of, what do you think here? Uh, we can't mm -hmm. even figure out like what his alt mode is. Right. Like they're both still looking at this, this bot on the ground and they're taking a very lighthearted approach about the yeah. fact that there's very burned... <laughs> Pretty very, much dead guy. Here. Right. Like somebody very much in need of help is lying on the ground and they're they're kind of very they're they're, they're of... Rosencrantz and Guildenstern again. <laughs> so yeah, they're not taking it too seriously. They're not too worried about it. But before we can see for so yeah, first aid right. has gone out to get the medical supplies from Trailcutter. And before we can do anything about that, we jump to Mesotine long ago. So this kind of plays into the fact that we were just talking about towards peace. Yes, uh, and we, we see two guys here. The one coming off the ship is Freud, who has been mentioned every now and then, mostly yes. by Rung. Yes, Rung has brought up Freud a few times here, so we finally get a look at him. He's got a really cool design. Yeah, Those long like arms, guy. they always freak me out, but I also like it. <laughs> it's it's weird. Um, so he steps off of this ship, and Mesotine, um is, yeah, it's just this snowy, snowy planet, this outpost here. So he's landed and he's immediately greeted by um, someone who we name, who we learned Rolt. is named Rolt. Yes. And he's the head of installation and Freud is the chief psychopathologist. Right. Uh, so immediately, obviously, he's here to... He's here for someone to, to, to get a look. And we, we learn pretty quick that someone is Megatron of Tarn. Yes. And we see his, uh, we have his like batch code. We have, you know, his birth date essentially and right. everything on this little data pad that's being passed over from, from Rolt to Freud here. And, um, so obviously he's, you know, if this guy's in charge of the, the outpost here, then he's just kind of trying to cooperate with whatever. I, like you can tell, obviously, if he's, yeah, he's a psychopathologist, he's working with the Senate or with, you know, he's obviously a person of very high stature. Um, and so Freud looks over, we see him looking through the data pad and roll. I love these, this page here because when like we're getting, he's very much a look at how people see Megatron who don't have any right no kind of preconceived force in the notions. race like yes they don't have any kind of right there's nothing riding on him for them 
uh, good or bad. And he, his comment is just, you know, he works hard if that does anything, you know, he's, he works incredibly hard and he's very quiet, which it's, is, is very sweet in a way. Because it's charming, I, yeah. I feel like my, my thinking is that there must have been some kind of incident or, or I, I think the reason right. that Freud gets sent out is because the writing starts showing up in places, right? Right. Which is what they, yeah, they end up bringing up right. here, which, that. yes. Uh, yeah. And I like to imagine that Rolt maybe knows that or at least knows that Megatron is being looked at for some kind of trouble, but like to him, he's just a guy who works hard. He doesn't yeah, want him to be in like, trouble. Right. He's a good worker. He's very quiet. Like he doesn't seem to be a troublemaker, you know? So he's, he's almost, he's, you know, he's vouching for Megatron here for a, a, at least a little bit, yeah, giving them something. Uh, yeah. And then we see Megatron uh, drilling away in the mines and yes. what a, a visually cool panel here uh, because not only do we see him in his original form where he doesn't have like the cool filigree on his chest but he has like caution tape oh, yeah. over him looking like a construction machine but Absolutely. also behind him sort of layered behind him but over some of the background is the text presumably of Toward Peace. Yes which and luckily in a few pages we get to read this full text but you right. know that first time and I I did you do it too where you're like yeah, so to find like, snippets you're like trying to get in here I can, yeah yeah what can i glean out of this what can i get from this uh yes luckily you get that full page later but it's it is a very cool technique and as a designer as a person who comes up with um you know visual artsy stuff like this i i i love doing stuff like that where you just kind of layer uh text behind something yeah, i'm a big fan of it so of I, course anytime you can work text into a visual image i'm very much yes. in favor of it because it yes. makes me feel validated as a writer. <laughs> there you go. Hey, yeah, it's a beautiful marriage between the two. Um, and so, yeah, especially for, you know, portraying Megatron, it's perfect because then it also gives you this idea that this is just what he's constantly thinking about because right. even the text over top of it says he's what you might call a thinker, right? which and is darling. <laughs> you get the idea that like while he's drilling away at all of this, while he's doing the foreground action, all of this, these thoughts are sort of rolling through him. Right. He's constantly thinking thinking of this um he's right this is what's on his mind all of the time when he's done here this is what he's going to be doing is writing these ideas down this is what's important to him um so it's yeah it's very cool it's very very well done panel uh, and so freud is immediately like oh yep just as i thought we're gonna have to take him in uh, right like Rolt is like what you didn't even like meet him yet right like, you haven't no assessed no this dossier is very complete Right. So immediately we're like, mm, right. no, something is up here. That's not how you perform an inspection of somebody at all. Right. So, um, yes, Freud is just, nope, this is, we're going to have to move on this. And, um, and he's convincing in the role of this. And I think it's interesting because this kind of same idea gets um, touched upon really well later on in the in the issues that are coming up a ways from now. But this idea they touch on um, just how they're kind of treating uh, the idea of mental illness. Um, and Freud even says like, oh, like maladies of the mind are easily hidden. Like we don't want to see them. They remind us of our fragility. So he's almost like he's convincing Rolt that like, oh no, Megatron's right. in the head and we need to fix that. Like, he's, and that's he's what we're wrapping to do. the sort of uh, 
mission that he's on in psychological jargon, which uh, I like because Freud was actually a really bad psychologist who didn't understand anything. <laughs> so, uh, there, yeah, so yeah. it's, there, there you go, go everybody. nail on the head, play uh, on that. And he introduces his associate, who we've met before. Yes, we've met this asshole before Japan is here. Yeah, the guy who does mind stuff shadow yes fly. emo surgeon so yes. he uh we will recall yes uh we've seen him we met him back in shadow play uh we saw that he was at the the clinics that uh chrome dome and prowl found and they had arrested him but then when they got back to him he they hadn't arrested him but they had at least shackled him but then when they got back to him he was gone um which means he had to have moved really quickly because this kind of happens in tandem with that story um but so he's here now and um but then we will also recall from chrome dome's kind of memories with overlord that he taught chrome dome trepan did and he ended up teaching overlord as well right because it's forced to um so uh, and then we go back to offset 17 yes uh and we're we're still looking at this uh charred body we go back to this yes we go back alive. to right he's he's sort of alive and first aid steps back in he's got trail cutter with him and he's immediately pissed off because these two bing bongs decided they were going to try to figure out what faction he was uh, uh, and so they they've moved, moved him yeah um, so they've and of course first aid is immediately just like you can't and he calls him a leaker he says you never move a leaker not without a doctor present because of course they're not doctors they don't know what the hell they're, they're doing so I, the first aid and he's still so sweet oh well go ahead no I, I i love that he's like well yeah we uh we realize that now because he seems to be in pain in some discomfort which yeah if somebody's burned half to death i right. think they might be in a little bit of pain my friend um and yeah sweet first aid is like you guys i know you meant well but you've made this worse which like <laughs> Like, first aid, you utter sweetheart. They were being idiots, and you were being too kind to them. Um, but so he does say that, like, this bot, he had hours, and now he's only got minutes. So, of course, he's trying to move fast. Right. And, um, and a trail cutter even says here, like, why does it matter to you guys? The war is over. And uh, Blue Streak's like, well, yeah, I mean, but. And uh, right. trail cutter's like, what? Even if he was, are we going to not treat him? It's, it's really, God, we get such good development out of trail cutter in this issue which is what makes it so much worse <laughs> later on um and but yeah he's being very logical this whole time and not even he's being logical but he's also being uh compassionate, compassionate. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly it he's being very compassionate he's being very thoughtful and um and again even we can see this look on blue streak's face he and mainframe are barely taking this seriously like but you know it's almost like well we don't know this guy what you know and of course they've been in war for four million years it's almost you know you can think well i don't know maybe they've just seen so much this is how they handle it um but obviously trail cutter and uh first dater taking it seeing this a little bit differently than mainframe and blue streak seem to be um and so first aid is saying that this bot needs an emergency transfusion right uh, of like really energon yes which trail cutter calls the hard stuff um and apparently he needs eight fluid drams so immediately he's like okay great we'll give two drams each and mainframe brings up a point here he's like oh, okay yeah, but here's the thing apparently this active energon is dangerous to take and it could have consequences there's a right. risk of spark failure um brain, brain damage, damage. 
Uh, And first aid points out like, well, I mean, it's only two drams. You're going to be fine. I wouldn't worry about it. The lower it is, the more, the less of a risk. Uh, But Blue Streak is sort of looking around. He's not giving up on this whole, let's figure out who this person is. Uh, And and he asks, what kind of Cybertronian has a removable face? And we we know know who that is. We know who that is. And then, of course, they don't. Because as we've established before, Voss is new. Like, there's a different Voss that everybody knew from the DJD. And so, of course, we all know that this is Voss. We know, you know. We know the DJD. Yes. So that's who they have in front of them. They don't realize that at this moment. Ooh, not good news. Not good. Uh, And what a gorgeous drawing of Voss, too. Like, it's really, it's a cool angle. It's like looking from the floor up at him as he's kind of set. to see him without his face. Yeah, his face is off. Um, And, of course, he's just sitting. He's not doing anything because he's almost dead. Uh, Which then also then, makes you wonder before we get to this beautiful next page. Sure. What happened here? Like that's yes. that was my I next mean, thing. Like to whoa. mess up Voss that bad is got to yeah. be something impressive, right? Like why is he here? What happened to him? Who did this to him? Uh, yeah. So, but then we step back from Ofsted and we get a really really great page. Yeah. Uh, and this page is one of my absolute favorite techniques anybody does in comics, which is the full text page. I've seen two other comics do this ever. Uh, yeah. One was an issue of S.H.I.E.L.D. that's one of the best issues of any comics ever. And one was a book called Captain Swing, and it was made by Warren Ellis, and it's one of my personal favorites. So anytime this shows up, I'm hard Immediately. to pay all for it. Fantastic. I love it. So now this will be one that you will have in your mind. Absolutely. The next time it shows up, it'll be like uh, more than meets the eye, 34. Uh, And so obviously it's harder to talk about something that's all text than something that's a series of images, but we'll, we'll do our best. It is naturally because it's a a section of toward peace. It's Megatron discussing the idea of how society is set up for the functionists. Um, how right. that it's is the- a a construct that they have designed that does not in actuality matter. Right. He describes it literally as a prison. They are all in a prison. Right. And the way that the functionists have set it up, the functionists built these cells and the Senate holds the key to it. And and even then he goes on to say the the way that they set then the denizens of Cybertron against each other, he has this really great line here about um you know they made it me versus you they made it class classes against each other they made it forms against each other because then you build walls around yourself and the more walls you put up between people the easier it is to to contain them and the stronger the structural integrity of the system of this metaphorical prison which is brilliant i was going to read as well oh perfect yeah it's it's such a great page if you aren't reading these books i suggest finding this page at least and reading it it's it's really, really great. And, the, you know, it gives you the very just next a sentence. That is why when oh. you see a stranger, you don't think, what are they like? You think, what are they for? Like, that is the entire flaw within the functionist system right there. Is yes. If you saw somebody and your immediate thought was, oh, I wonder what that person does for a living instead of, oh, I wonder what's up with that guy. You know, that's what this is. is It's setting up a system much like capitalism where 
your contribution is your worth. Like the only yes. reason that you exist and that you are paid attention to and given the basic necessities for life is because we can take things from you as well. Right. Uh, because you contribute to this overall, this right. overall system that we've built and we've put in place that benefits some people more than it benefits others. And yeah, that's exactly, you know, obviously what Megatron is denouncing in these writings or at least trying to bring light to in this just this page here and it's it's again i can't stress enough how fantastic this yes, it, it, if you skipped over it it genuinely is worth reading it really is and it doesn't even take that long like yeah, i know no, it looks, it's, it's, it's a page full of text but really you'll 10 paragraphs uh, uh, but and he just i love this last part here he does say you know like um he, you know, is again kind of trying to define the system and making, essentially he's calling it out so that people will notice these metaphorical cages that they're in. And in the end, he says, um, I say enough, reject your work, reject your all mode, resist the system and your betters, you have none. We're all equal and we have a right to decide how we live our lives. And that line, your betters, so you have good. none. Oh, God. Because that's how he wants to structure the Decepticons is yes. that everybody is equal. Like everyone right. can make decisions the same way that Megatron can. Uh, because once there's peace, there is no reason for anyone to be superior to anyone else. Absolutely. So even to Megatron, it was always this idea like, Ravage means just as much to the entire of Cybertron as Megatron would. Right. You know, like it, that was always just to throw out two bots who, you know, obviously now are together well, and amidst that's, all of these Autobots. And I mean, that was a large part of why Soundwave joined. Yes. Because that's, like that message of absolute equality was the whole reason that he came in. Right. Because that's <coughs> obviously how Soundwave feels specifically right. regarding Ravage and, you know, Laserbeak and these bots who are considered less absolutely like bottom rung kind of and i i don't want to digress too much from what's actually happening in the books but that to me is this is the strongest indictment of starscream because starscream absolutely doesn't care about any of these things he cares about yeah. establishing the best system for starscream yeah it's you're yeah it's uh, it's very interesting. I would love to see more. And we got like kind of a taste of it at the trial. Um, yeah. I would love to see some more James Roberts written Starscream. It, I'd be it, very, especially very interested in that. the two of them together, Megatron and Starscream. It would like with this, this very intellectual, this very poetic side of Megatron. Um, I, yeah, I would, that would be something I'd really love to see. Uh, but the writing is interrupted by someone here coughing. Yeah, so, and, and it's not Greg. It's uh, Right. I am still coughing, don't worry. But, <laughs> but he wasn't the one interrupting Megatron. Um, and it's so him. cute. Even on this panel, we can see the cough and like a hand coming up and Megatron has a finger up and he's, okay, wait a second, coming. <laughs> one second. Yeah, he's trying to finish this thought. And we can see Megatron seated at this makeshift desk he, like it's, right it's it's sort of like a lectern or a uh, pedestal yeah or something. and he's just got stacks of data pads around him 
And yeah, he's he's just belting all of this out. He's writing like he's running out of time. And uh, so then he finally gets up and goes to see this person who is coughing. And you just immediately, like, you see this bot. And you don't, we don't know who he is at first. And uh, But just seeing him, I was like, oh, my God, you poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to take care of you. He's uh, His legs are crushed. They're gone. Um, he's very much, and uh, he's obviously in a very bad right. way. He's, he's pretty beat up. And uh, so clearly some awful accident has happened to him. But we can see he's also got the caution tape on him. Obviously, he Right, construction is, class. Yes. Um, so Megatron goes to him. And, and even this bot is saying, no, ignore me. Just keep writing. And Megatron <laughs> says, I am ignoring you, which is hilarious. Uh, it, oh, he's so cute. So we, we get the idea immediately that these two have a pretty, pretty good tête-à-tête. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, so we can see Megatron is hooking up a hose between the two of them. And uh, this bot on this, you know, slab is saying, no, don't, you know, you need your rations. Don't give me anything that you need because you're huge. And And if I slip away, then... Right, we get a lot of exposition here very quickly. Uh, he points out that he's Megatron's proofreader, yeah. uh, and Megatron says, "Well, you're a lot more than that." And he says, "Well, I'm your proofreader and distributor." Uh, and Megatron tells us that his name is Terminus, and we know about Which, Terminus. Yes, that is the person to whom Megatron originally dedicated towards peace. Right. And of course, the last thing we heard him say about Terminus was that it was the reason he dedicated it to terminus is the same reason he changed the dedication to begin with yes uh which is to not get attached basically yes yes um so that so now we have at least a face we have a bot to kind of okay we have somebody that takes that place now we know who this is um and terminus does and, and, and yeah we get a lot of info very quickly here he says um you know he i love the way he he phrases it even he says i help your words find their way home and you never ask how i do it or you would think less of me which i think is a very interesting line it makes of course you immediately wonder what right what's he doing, he doing to spread toward peace yes so so obviously yes what megatron is writing terminus is distributing which we know and now yes we get this idea that oh, okay this is why somebody like freud has him on the radar right if they're finding these writings spreading (laughs) essentially propaganda against the state right uh and this guy points out like yes he could be repaired but because of the capitalist system that they're in it would cost too much to do so and you know healthcare. Uh, yes, it is very, uh, very poignant here. Some things that we get to deal with in real life. Um, and we don't even right. get to be gigantic, awesome, transforming alien robots. Um, That's true. I mean, we get to eat sandwiches. That's a plus. But... That is a plus. I could go for a sandwich. Oh, um, man, that sounds so good. Uh, let's get some of those after this. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but he points out a, a, a line that I really like that apparently he's quoting Megatron here. Mm-hmm. Um, Every member of the manual class is one accident away from redundancy, and redundancy is one step away from death, which absolutely is how it is being in the working class. Like, Agreed. Yep. if you get injured and you can't go into work, then you're fucked top to bottom. There's nothing yes. you can do to get out of that situation. Yes, it is very, it hits very close to the realities that, yeah, that we have right now. Absolutely. And and he's saying, Megatron's saying, well, you can't put a price on life. And he's saying, well, the function is to put a price on everything. And I'm becoming a burden, so they want to get rid of me. And he's saying, I decide what I'm worth, not the function. Functionist, not the Senate or anyone else who presumes to sit above me. 
Ah, which just, ah, he's just so good. Um, And I do want to point out in that the line right before Terminus uh, says all of that, Megatron does state, if you can save someone, you should. Right. You should Uh, save them. Like, if you can save someone, you should save them, which is important later on. Um, It it ties into Voss. Exactly. Um, And uh, so, right. And Megatron has that great line of that. Anybody who presumes to sit above me, because obviously he knows. He knows that that's bullshit. Like, it's, you don't get to say that you're. Right. Oh, God, he's so great. Um, But so, of course, Terminus is. I mean, and Terminus is pointing out the realities here. He's saying, like, look, the Functionists are strong. The Senate might be even stronger than them. Um, and they are the people who shape the world. And so someday your words might not be enough. Right. You might have to force the issue, which, of course, we know is all like a big just preamble to what eventually happens. Um and Megatron is, of course, he's very, uh, like... He's reluctant. Yeah, he's pre, pre-war, pre pre uh, even being in the cell with the world. Megatron is this very, he's kind of soft. We can see in all of these panels. He never has, he doesn't have a hard look to him. Right. He looks young, even. Yes, very much so. Um, and Terminus does tell him, you know, you have two weapons at your disposal. You have your brain and you have your fists and you have to be ready to use them both. Which, of course, we know that right. definitely happens. He, he eventually, yes, that's... Which now, reading all of this, we can be like, okay, maybe this was that, that push he needed. That kind of confirmation that came about later on when he had to do it. Um, and Megatron, of course, immediately is like, no, no, right. I don't. He turns it away. That's not me. He says, like, I'm, I'm a writer. I don't go out and fight. Uh, and Tarn says that, like, Terminus. you're, yes, yes, Terminus says, you're the one who's saying these things. You need to be able to go out and do them as well. Right. Uh, because Megatron, we learn here from Terminus, Megatron wants his words to inspire kind of a great uprising so that right. multiple people are the ones kind of pushing back and not just one. And he and, even says here, I'm not a figurehead. Exactly. He doesn't want to be the, the general. He doesn't want to lead in military. He yes. wants these things to happen but he doesn't want to go out he doesn't want to be the sole yeah like he doesn't want to be the sole kind of creator of what is going to happen next he wants it to be an uprising of everybody who should be sick of it who should be realizing that they're better than this that they can have better than this um and and terminus very astutely points out (laughs) well you're not a figurehead but you may yet become one and then he says these words which are very very interesting given that megatron is now wearing an autobot crest he says never back down never compromise never bend the moment you try to accommodate a rival set of interests you subordinate your own which is hugely interesting now that homeboy's got an autobot symbol on his chest uh and he says when your enemies realize they can't corrupt you or contain you or appease you that's when you you have their attention because that's when you become a threat so the idea of never compromising is super important to what terminus is saying here right. like if you if they realize that anything less than a full-blown war will get you to back down then they'll do that right then that is exactly what's going to happen and um of course megatron is still trying to resist this idea and he says no you're focusing too much on the individual lasting power rests with the collective which again all of these i love hearing it directly from these past 
exactly. looks at Megatron. The, this his initial idea was always we'll do this together. Like this is a group effort. It's all of right. us. It's not just me. It was never about spreading Megatron. It was about spreading equality. Right. Uh, and Terminus, I think, here convinces him. Yes. That agreed. Some they need the masses need somebody to rally behind. They need someone to take point. And even after he he says even after he's forced the world to be fair, the top table is set for one. You must be prepared to sit alone. Which is and and the fact that yes, you said it that like maybe this is what kind of because obviously Megatron does become a different bot than the, he is right now. He does get to the point right. where, yes, he's step up. the leader of the Decepticons. He, it is him. He's the one leading this. He's the one who's going to shoulder this responsibility. Even when others try to take control from him, he will take it back. Like, fuck you. Don't even try it. He's going to get it back. Um, so, yeah. And it is just interesting to see that once upon a time, Terminus had to tell him that that is something he had to be prepared for just because it was nowhere in his mind that that might possibly be the case. Um, uh, and so Megatron is is saying, like, you has something happened because your your tone is very serious. Yeah. And he says, well, uh, or Terminus says, well, they're getting suspicious. Right. He was visited says, earlier. Oh, well, I have to stop writing then just for a while. And yes. He says, no, you need to write twice as fast, twice as much. Uh, get it all out there because right like the hammer's coming down exactly not only are is resistance starting to form but people are starting to listen right and because yeah terminus says in this earlier panel like your words are appearing all over cybertron in shipyards and distilleries fix-it pits and relinquishment relinquishment clinics and the words of course are you are being deceived right which mm, chills but also obviously then you have the people who are affected most who are now hearing this and getting this idea in their head and thinking hey, yeah, there is something to this. And obviously, yes, he's like, okay, it's catching fire. The functionists are seeing the smoke. You have to get as much, like burn as much and spread it as far as you can before they try to silence you. Exactly. It's very eloquent. Thank you. Uh, and, <laughs> um, and he's even more poetic about it. He says, Ter- Terminus says, this beautiful line. He says, pin your thoughts to the page like wraith flies so that others may study the patterns on their wings. Ah, that's gorgeous. <laughs> uh, and then as this is happening, Megatron gets basically tasered in the chest. Yes, because Megatron's trying to resist and say, no, I need to stop writing because they're going to come after you. And he's obviously he doesn't want Terminus getting hurt for his sake. Um, But yes, before he can finish that thought, he gets tased. Um, And we go to Ofsted 17 again. uh, and we're back, and of course they've just found this mask, and now we have, and now we know it's Voss, and now he's starting to mutter, of course, an old Cybertronian, which is, we know the language right. he speaks. He prefers to speak at least. He's just learning kind of modern Cybertronian. Uh, and Mainframe finds a translator box to kind of figure out some stuff of what he's saying. Right, he's, he's like, hey, we're that. in a school. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, everybody from all over the galaxy would be here. Let's use this translation equipment. Uh, but while he's doing that, Blue Streak is looking at the mask and <laughs> activates it and boy yeah he's like oh hey there's a switch and of course we know what Voss's mask does yeah. so same thing happens uh all the needles and drills and everything come you know popping out like a sure. you know surprise birthday card and um of course blue streak is 
appropriately horrified. Um, He's like, I don't think this is an Autobot. Yeah, I'm going to guess it's not. And First Aid, again, is saying it really doesn't matter. Right, Um, and Mainframe says, well, I think it kind of does because... (laughs) And even uh, the question mark, like, it kind of does matter, First Aid. And he's... Uh, mainstream or mainframe you dick uh it is it's he like he's saying like patching somebody up and donating active energon putting ourselves at risk for a guy with a spike mask seems like i'm out uh it is it's it's interesting because like i i get it you know what i mean like i get where he's coming from sure you can't blame him entirely it does suck because of course you you want to side with first aid and we learn trail cutter that it's this person still needs help what harm is he going to do us right now he's very hurt um but mainframe is like you know what and he does say even by decepticon standards that mask are you kidding me yikes no i'm not kidding pretty intense absolutely um, and, and then Blue, Blue Streak, Streak is, is like, yeah, I'm like that, except fuck that guy. I don't yes. like him to begin with. He's completely, he's like, yeah, no, I'm out. And yeah, he knows where sorry, he Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Hashtag it. Um, and it, he does, he gets very crude and it feels very odd. It, it's suddenly kind of harsh and weird to hear Blue, or, uh, yeah, Blue Streak say, he says, do what you like with your own energon, splash it up the walls for all I care, but don't guilt others into giving up theirs, which is very harsh, like drama queen over here. Uh, but first aid fires back like just as hard and says, okay, but you're going to leave because if this guy's going to die, he's not going to do it in front of the people that let it happen. Yeah, first aid's having none of their shit. Um, and <laughs> trail cutter's so sweet. And he's just like, it, he didn't what mean a good that. boy. He really is. Um, and mainframe's like, you, I mean, you get what we're saying. And, um, and yeah, trail cutter again, very sweet. He's very, very calm with everybody. He's not, he's not getting all upset and all up in arms like everybody else kind of is. He's kind of keeping it cool. And, um, mainframe gives him the translation device. He's like, Hey, I got this started for you. At least you can understand what he's saying. Um, so uh, and trail-, trail cutter immediately is like, all right, so four drams each you and me. Uh, and first state is like, oh yeah, I knew he was a Decepticon instantly and, uh, because they make their spark or their badges out of their spark casing, which we learned before, right? Uh, and so, so first yeah, he saw the like, casing and was like, oh shit, yeah, he's like, so Trail Cutter, if you need to back out, I totally get it. And Trail Cutter's like, no, we're each gonna give up four drams, like like I said, four drams each, right? Which uh, Trail Cutter, you utter hero, what a. Uh, and first aid even reminds him like four drams is not two drams it gets a lot riskier the more there is you sure you're okay with that and he's like what yeah come on man let's do it Uh, uh, (laughs) and first uh, aid says you know what you're wasted as director of security he says well until recently i was just wasted and you go oh trail cutter you you sly boy you sly sly boots um so he's just so sweet um and as they're kind of talking and agreeing like okay yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna save this guy uh boss is watering comes through and the first translation is primus spare my spark which interestingly is what flywheel said before he was murdered by the djd Mm -hmm. lest we forget um and then the next thing he says is find kill cleanse where have we heard that before trail cutter wonders and immediately first aid first aid knows quite rightly 
takes the like yanks the energon connection out of him yeah and which of course Voss reacts very kind of violently to it because he's suddenly sure, you know, dying being cut again. off from his life support yeah um and trail cutter immediately is like what what are you why are you doing this and first aid of course, he's like, okay, listen, this guy's DJD. Like, that changes right. things. And Trailcutter's like, why? And he's like, because uh, we lost Pharma and Ambulon because of them. Which, so, and we do keep getting these moments from First Aid where, obviously, like, obviously the stuff with Pharma is hitting him hard. And the stuff sure. with Ambulon now just makes it ten right. times worse. Like, Sometimes he's hung up. Him on Ambulon very, very hard. We are seeing this. We've seen, we saw this before when they had him, when Ratchet was like, well, let's bring him in to look at Rod's corpse. <laughs> you know, um, then yeah, he, and we know that first aid's having a very hard time with this. Right. And trail cutters like, but you're a doctor. You took an oath. And first aid is just like, look, dude's a mass murderer. Fuck it. And trail cutters like, fine, then I'm doing it myself. Uh. <laughs> Which, which just yeesh. like if you didn't know everybody already, just prepare to you know be heartbroken. Um, and so he hooks himself up to Voss, and um, Voss is quiet again. He's not shrieking anymore. Um, and so he's like, "Oh hey, he he's looking better. Uh, this sucks, but he's you know he's yeah. looking better. When am I gonna know that he's he's good?" And <laughs> First aid doesn't even know. He's like, I don't, I guess he'll, you know, we'll know when he's feeling better. And yeah, we do. Voss immediately grabs Trailcutter by the throat and like lifts him off the ground. Uh, Trailcutter shoots guns out of his knees. He got his leg guns. If we will all recall, (laughs) he was drunkenly being super jealous of Fort Max and Fort Max's leg guns. (laughs) Trailcutter got some leg guns and he shoots Voss across the room with them. Proud of you. cut. Uh, but, uh, first aid is immediately like, are you okay? Um, everybody's not coming. Blue Streak's not picking up. Great. Thanks. Sure. What a jerk. Uh, and he's like, all right, first aid, you go get them. I'll stay here. Don't worry about me because I got a panic bubble. And yeah, because he's, you know, he's saying, I'm just going to slow you down. Just go get them. They can come help you bring me back. Because of course, Trailcutter can't move. He's just (laughs) given up a ton of you know his active energon so he's in first aid's little so he doesn't want to slow him down he's like just go get the others right and they will help you and yeah he activates his panic bubble which we know since we saw him do it when he was feeling threatened by megatron um it, it goes up for 30 minutes for 30 minutes no matter what no matter what um uh, and boy this is a really good page um Trailcutter's inside the bubble, Voss is coming up to him, and Voss is speaking on Cybertronian, and he's like, what does that mean? And Voss is pointing, he's holding up two fingers, and he goes, two what? And Voss points at himself and says, Voss, and then he points inside the bubble, and he says, Kaon. Uh, which, like, if your stomach didn't just drop, <laughs> would, like, <laughs> when you read it, oh, shit shit man <laughs> uh, and we see this pile of debris inside of the bubble turned from an electric chair into kaon into kaon um so yeah because there was of course we were in a school there were just piles of chairs everywhere right one of the chairs happened to be an electric chair and nobody noticed and why would you you're not going to be inspecting the chairs you wouldn't think one of them's going to transform into a robot a member of the djd no less exactly so oh, that's uh, where 
for Relief Trail Cutter as I, we go to... Real quick, yeah. how great does Voss look in those two panels? Oh my god, you are not kidding. He looks fantastic uh, in the panels. Super intimidating and sexy and good yeah. god. I'm all about Voss in those panels. Man, it's, yeah, nice look. Uh, but yes, we go back to Mesotene. And uh, okay, ooh, I, we if should. You thought that page was disturbing. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we should put. We'll probably put another disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. Um, yes. Because this language here, um, as I've mentioned before on the show, I like to read these books aloud when I first get them because I like to do like voice acting and stuff. Um, and I'm a huge nerd, and that's what's fun for me. So, um, literally, this page was one of the hardest things I've ever <laughs> tried to read out loud because of the language used in it and just the tone of it Yeah, is very, very, uh, I mean, there's no really other way to put it. It's very rape sounding. It's, yeah, it's, it's very sexual and very uh, assault. Yes. It is very, very reminiscent of. Yes. So, so what's happening on this page is uh, Trapan is sort of looming over Megatron on the the surgery slab, uh, performing Nemo surgery and pulling thoughts out of his mind. Yes, uh, we can see the top of Megatron's head is off, and which is okay when you're a robot, but that does make obviously his brain module exposed, so right. Trapan can. Uh, which is interesting because we've always. Seen Chromedome going through the back of the neck. Trapan is going right into his brain here. Uh, and again, just the language being used is not stuff I'll repeat because it's super, yes. super off-putting. It really, really is. Um, but essentially, yes, there's a lot of... Um, uh, what, I'm trying to think of the term. Um, it is non-consensual. Yes, uh, yeah forced a lot of those kinds of things going on in the language here and trapan is speaking through all of it and his way of speaking only adds to this idea that it is very much a harasser a and you know somebody assaulting right. someone else he is the fe- the way that he is speaking through all of it and the way he is talking to megatron and the language that he's using uh, and the tone that he's got it's oof, it's all boy, very yeah. very rough and hard to read and then as this is happening we see the passages of toward peace in the background and their words are gradually disappearing out of it uh and if that weren't enough we see <laughs> megatron essentially leaking what is it energon presumably from his eyes there well and that's what's interesting because one of the things he does say and i will say this much he does he says he says some words and then he says uh the the people who are have this performed on them who have the nemo surgery performed on them if they do something they tend to leak um which we see right. here which and they've used that they use that term earlier leakers being and you presume it's like bleeding um and so it's coming out of megatron's optics which just looks like he's laying there crying while trapan is doing this to him and it's all very upsetting it is it's a yeah. even like sitting here talking about it now. I'm like getting flustered. I'm like getting overheated. And this is this this goes back to the trial of Megatron when Optimus said, "Look, we right. got a Nemo surgeon who can just figure all this out immediately." And Megatron Megatron's was like, reaction, fucking lutely not right because he in these pages 
this is full on assault. This is, he's been assaulted before by Nemo surgery. So even someone who we all know as readers, Chrome Dome, you know, you're like, well, he's not the worst dude. Right. Like we, for the most part, I imagine most people appreciate and like Chrome Dome. You wouldn't think anything close to any of this happening. But then again, we've seen him force some Nemo surgery on Prowl. So it's, it is obviously a power that can be abused very quickly and very easily. Um, uh, but Megatron, of course, doesn't know all that. All he knows is that the la- before when this has happened to him, this is what it was. Right. It was someone forcing their way in and fucking with his head and obviously harming him and hurting him. And it was uh, traumatic. Yes. And so Trepan gets a call during this and Oof. he is essentially gets cut off. Yes. Uh, he's, he's saying like, look, we have to wrap it up. Uh, he's made to stop. He stops what he's doing. We find out who made it all stop. Uh, and he didn't even know it, but it was our sweet, sweet, sweetheart, Rung. Precious Rung baby, up. Rung. The uh, hero we needed. Um, so, we, so we do find out he's shown up. And so, yes, because uh, Trapan gets this call. And obvi- it's presumably Freud being like, hey, you got to cut it out because somebody showed up to ruin our day. Um, and yes, it was Rung. And Rung is like, listen. Uh, and I love this page so much. There's a lot of talking on this page, and we obviously won't go through all of it. Um, sure. Uh, to boil it down, basically, uh, this can't happen because they needed two signatures, and the other signature was wrong. Well, yes. it's Rung is saying two people need to sign off on this before you can perform these surgeries because it's, it's to prevent abuse, obviously, which is exactly what they were doing. They were abusing their powers. They were abusing the system. They were abusing a prisoner, um, which, I mean, he's a laborer, but in a sense, he's Japan's prisoner at this point, um, which it's very interesting. And what I love a lot about this is that the... The, like Rung even says, because Freud is like, what? Since that is, what, since when is that a rule? And Rung is like, well, they they literally just passed it. And he says, since yesterday, that's why I'm here. They've changed the law. The Senate met in secret session and carried Senator Shockwave's last minute amendment. Right. So Shockwave, our sweetheart, Senator Shockwave, he passed an amendment to make sure people couldn't be abused by psychopathologists and this Nemo's which so I I find that really interesting when you kind of look and look back on all these things you're like so in a way Shockwave saved Megatron he didn't know it Shockwave you know what I mean like right exactly it's very interesting um the and, other, and the the one thing I will point out, um, Carl Jung and and Freud, obviously probably the two most famous psychologists to ever exist, uh, hated each other deeply. That's kind of <laughs> what's happening here. Uh, Freud was very bad at everything he did, but is sort of hailed as the father of psychology, whereas Jung is generally regarded as having a better idea of what was actually going on. Although his modern stuff, everybody's kind of like, well, I don't know if any of this holds any water. But basically, Jung was about psychologist freud got more credit that's i love that that's <laughs> see look look at you that's why you're here i suppose um, so <laughs> um but yeah no so i love that that's that's fantastic all you smarty pants um it's very interesting to see those two sort of tie in right here he, oh absolutely obviously yes this freud. is a direct kind of yeah reference to that um and it's interesting because Freud knows he and right. Freud he, knows he, something he, we don't because he even says you realize I'm going to suffer for this. You don't know who Trepan had down there. Right. And he even says to Rung, wait, then why are you here? Why didn't you just tell me? And Rung does say he's like, listen, if you guys were doing something that I could agree with, I came here to co-sign for you. Like 
you know, he's like, well, I'm just, he was almost, he was kind of trying to help him out here and be like, well, I trust you in a sense, you know what I mean? So he was kind of, he had enough trust to be like, well, I'll go and co-sign and there you go. And then we can proceed with whatever you deemed necessary. And obviously Freud knows that no, Rung isn't going to co-sign. He's not going to agree to that, which is, I like to believe is true. (laughs) Uh, And then as this is happening, an alarm goes off and And something, right, we get two awugas, which I love. Uh, something two miles down, some kind of power surge, something huge. Get off the planet, huge. And of course, Rung is wondering if it's the Nucleon, because we are in Nucleon mines here. Right. And um, and Freud's like, we just, we all have to go. We all have to go right now. So. Then we go back to Offset 17. Oh, and a nightmare Ooh. show. Yep. Boy, that's rough. Oh. Uh, we see Kaon inside the bubble ripping out Trailcutter's brain module. He's already got Trailcutter's head and spine removed from the pieces of his body that are just around the bubble in places. Oof. And um, yeah, he's he's also he's very excited about it. Kaon is. And to me, the fact that Voss is also standing there and he's like got a hand against the bubble and he's been watching. I'm like, is this like foreplay for you sickos? Like, are you guys just like really like that's my that's what I assume is going on. That sounds about right. Right. Like Kaon is really enjoying this and Voss is just standing there watching. And I'm like, um, I mean, you know, maybe not, but I could easily I could see that being the case. Like, cause, you know, you're the DJD. You're already sick fucks. Like, that's their whole thing is being that's, right. horrifying. They're into, um, luckily, they shoot Voss, as they should. Um, and first aid, of course, immediately is just like, oh, okay, let me try to, let, let's try yeah, to Yeah, he's like, well, this. this bubble isn't going anywhere, so let's talk it out. Right. And uh, he asks, of course, Cam, where did you come from? And he says, oh, no, I've been here the whole time. I couldn't do anything. But right. when Trailcutter put yeah. up. Once this bubble activated, I was in, I was all set. Yeah, he could drain, he could draw some of the energy from it. Um, uh, and first aid is like, just put put down his brain. Yeah, he's like, well, why should I? And yeah. first aid says, well, the war is over. And he goes, I don't think the war is over. Not till Megatron says. And then he's like, okay, well, Megatron did say. Right. Uh, and he's like, nah, shut up. <laughs> Right. Kaon is not buying it. He's like, you're full of it. He didn't do that. And of uh, course, Blue Streak is like, you're dumb. He totally did. There's a there's a data pad in there with you. Right. If you uh, look at it, you will see. Megatron's speech. Uh, and, uh, and he slams the brain module against the force field. Creaks and it. Yeah, he does it anyway. So he crushes Trailcutter's brain module and then he he does go and he picks up the the data pad and um they do right instead of looking for megatron's speech he calls up helix yeah he's like hey will you guys come pick us up we're done at the movies and so Uh, he gives him (laughs) i love that jaunty little wave he gives them Uh, right can is very like haha he's kind of like a little (laughs) leprechaun in all these panels like he's having a great old time uh, um, and they get teleported out of there. Yeah, then they're just gone. And the other three are left with the bubble with Trailcutter inside. Uh, and so we're back on Mesotene for a page here. The place is being evacuated. Megatron is trying to get people out. But the intellectual class is... It's its a phased it's, evacuation. Yes. And so it's intellectual class, that. then management, then administrative, and then space-permitting manual class. Which you can just see the the, like 
thrums of manual class that Megatron is pushing against. And Megatron is going the opposite direction of everybody. But you can see there's so many right. manual class people just in this hall that you're like, obviously, they're the ones who are of the largest number here because they're the ones doing all the work. Um, and they're the ones who, if there's room for you, we will let you escape the planet. Um and so Megatron, obviously, he's going back to his house suite because we know there's somebody there who can't move. And um, even then, a guard is kind of like, you are supposed to be going the other way. And Megatron's like, just let me. And he gets in. And, and Terminus uh, is not there. Terminus isn't there. And he kind of asks the guard. He's like, did somebody grab this guy? Like, he can't move. Did somebody take him? And the him? guard's like, who cares? Right. Uh, and so Megatron just starts grabbing all of his data pads. <sighs> And it's like the saddest panel here at the end. And there's just a repeating message of I'm sorry on the data pads, which makes you go, what happened? What did, what did Terminus do? Where did he go? And, and Megatron just looks so hurt. He's like clutching his data pads to his chest and he's looking like he's going to cry. And of course he's just gotten out of a fucking traumatic experience. Right. Some asshole named Japan. This This is the worst day for him. It really is. Poor baby. So uh, then we kind of go uh, into the mines and we learn what this... Right. Lest this, we forget, last time we read More Than Meets the Eye, there was a guy named Brainstorm. And we found out that Brainstorm <laughs> might be a Decepticon spy in some capacity and opened his briefcase and knocked a ton of people out. Uh, we didn't see what happened after that, but we see him here somehow. He's here somehow at Mesotene when Megatron was there working in the mine. And so we see this this huge event, this huge disruption that there was two miles down seems to be someone teleporting there. And it's our little scientist, Brainstorm. And he just very, stands there looking very cocky and says, right then, where to start? Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, carrying the briefcase with him, of course. Of course. He's got it shackled to his wrist as he does. And he's even touching at his fa- face mask. Um which we know is where he's hiding his Decepticon symbol. Right. So. We will find out a little bit more about what the fuck is going on. Things get even more wild and out of control. We get a little more questions than answers in in 35. Absolutely. So 35, we open with a pretty interesting scene here. Yes. We know very quickly it is not the present day. Right. Like, it's very much, we can see it's a city of some sort. We would assume this is Cybertron. Um, and then, yeah, we see some boss that we know here. And it's just, it's such a, a wild scene to open on. Like, it's yes. something we've never really seen before. Out, even, even in shadow play, we weren't to this level. Like, the signage around, it's like this, it's almost like a, an airport kind of is what we're looking at, but all the signage is saying things like, you are our eyes yeah it's it's full-on dystopia yes and um and again assuming you're listening to this most of you have probably read these so you already know what's going on here um but we have some some guys that we know are here and uh we can see it's minimus ambus and hanging out with rewind so it's minimus ambus it's not ambus in the 
wearing this armor, but he is wearing a bigger, it's a bigger version of him. So it's, we know that he has layers. He's like a matryoshka, I think is what they're called. Um, yeah, he's bundled <laughs> So yeah, so he is in a bigger version of his own, what he usually looks like at his smallest. Um, but he's much bigger than Rewind. Right. And Rewind, we remember, uh, is sort of like dating slash working for, uh, Ambus's brother. Dominus Ambus, exactly. Right. So we have, we can pick up from their com- conversation. It seems like Rewind has almost, assuming this is, if we're treating this like an airport, gone to the airport to pick up Minimus right. to take back to their house. Um, and, it it immediately you know starts off with the kind of minimus that we know where rewinds kind of prompting him like you're not saying much and minimus is being goofy and saying no we've said 128 words to each other i remember everything we just <laughs> said um it's almost a little abednadir right there like Absolutely. no no you said this i said this you said this i said this that's that, those are words um but so yes we are in this very crowded kind of area with all these other bots. Um, and the two of them are just having this conversation um, where Rewind, again, is saying that he's quiet and he's asking if it's because he expected Dominus to be here and not Rewind. And um, Minimus is like, well, yes, kind of. Um, and we do learn that uh, Dominus isn't here because he's busy. Right. And he points out that he hasn't spoken to him in months. Right. He's like, and we do learn, yes, Minimus has been away for two million years, which is interesting. And he hasn't spoken to Dominus in, in months. Yeah. Um, and he mentions something. He mentions before the re- uh, reconciliation, we were allowed to talk to people back home. Uh, so, and this is the thing. And these pages are going to drop a lot of terminology and yes. reference a lot of things that I can't tell you what they are. Okay. <laughs> um, so, and I mean, and again, assuming you've read this, you know why I can't tell you what they are because... Well, I mean, sure. okay. well, yeah. Okay. So um, it's, it's hard to talk about these pages. It's a little... There's a, there's a lot thrown at you all at once. It, there's a lot all at once, and it is confusing because, yeah, we're stepping into a completely different scenario here. So, doing the best we can, um, Rewind's kind of like, okay, when we get back, you know, like, it's okay, let's just get back to where Dominus and I live. Right. Let's, let's just head back there. Uh, right. He's sort of um, pushing towards something. Right. And Rewind does mention, in, yeah, he's like, okay, well, let's, like, maybe shush about the reconciliation, which again, we're kind of like, what is that? Um, and Rewind does mention something that you have to agree that, like, we were crazy to give away Luna too, which is interesting because we know that that's their moon. Which I realized, I think, in the previous issue when we were talking about Red Alert, I said he was on Luna 2. I meant Luna 1. Um, okay. Which is a weird thing to say. The fact that Rewind has just said they gave away Luna 2. And you're kind of like, what? So immediately, this is all pretty yes, interesting and vague. There's a lot of scene setting. There's a lot of, uh, here's the dystopia we're in. Here's something called the reconciliation. Apparently, we gave a moon to somebody. Right. And Minimus follows up with that. And we learn that they gave it to the Black Box Consortia. Right. At least that's what it says in mine, which is interesting because in the previous issue, we were talking about the black block consortia so mm. i don't know if that's a typo or if it's a, a result of version the of... that occur within the comic right so just little things like that are very interesting and are like wait a minute what like little changes um we see more of this weird dystopian signage right. around here um 
And, but yeah, he's saying the Black Box Consortia wanted the metal. So they sold the moon to the Black Box Consortia so that they could harvest it for metal, apparently. And, um, and yeah, it's just them kind of talking about the situation of the world where they live. And, um, which again is very odd because we've never really, yeah, even when we, we were back in like shadow play and when we do get scenes from pre-war, this is all never different mythology. Yeah, we, we never get a whole lot of, uh, any of this right it's like when you you know you're meeting up with people and you're talking about just the state of affairs in wherever you live city country what have you um that's basically what's going on between these two so not the most exciting thing for us to regale for everyone um but very interesting and when you're reading it it's very interesting um and, and uh, right eventually they get into discussion about uh the functionist society and things like that um right. And Minimus, or yeah, Minimus asks Rewind, do you ever get tired of being a member of a disposable class? And right. Rewind points out, oh, I've got promoted to research assistant. Because right. otherwise I would not even be able to talk to you right now. Which is huge. Like, it's very heavy. And we learn that Dominus has had him promoted to research assistant and that, right. you know, holds some strings. So we, and we already know this from what we've heard Rewind right. and from Don't Say before. Yes, he's an important figure. He has done a lot in Cybertron. So yes, he can do things like that and pull some strings. And we do learn also in this page that Minimus is suddenly unemployed. So whatever he was doing, um, is obsolete. He was right. Like he was part of the primal Vanguard, which we've heard about before. And, um, rewind is saying here, uh, since there's no more interspecies tension, there's no more primal Vanguard. So we learn that that's why Minimus is here. Um, presumably the, the events went as they sold the, the moon to the black box consortia and that eased tensions. And now the primal Vanguard isn't necessary anymore. So bots like Minimus who worked in within the vanguard he and minimus says he's unemployed now so that's why he's back he's here to see if he's going to be assigned somewhere else um and they start discussing other sort of obsolescence ideas they say the data slug is is super popular now because there was a recall uh and the recall is basically the functionist council saying hey we don't need these anymore you're going to be a different old now or uh, or killing all of those yes like, exactly which is <coughs> so that's kind of what it is when you so in the situation of minimus it's okay you we don't need this anymore do we reassign these people or do we just get rid of them yeah. um and rewind even mentions other things that have happened before this he says it's like the time they outlawed the intellectual class or unseated the senate or deported the knockoffs which these are all things that we like we've heard of we know about the class system that they've had so even that line that one little box that one little bubble is like wait a minute what the hell is going on here outlawing the entire intellectual class and then unseating the senate and deporting the knockoffs which we've heard other bots use the term knockoff before to mean cold construction Mm. so it's a very all of these bubbles are just like all of (laughs) everything becomes more and more confusing these are big events that we should have heard about before exactly these are very much like when did all of this happening happen what where are we um but so they continue on and and again they're presenting all this like this is just stuff that's happened this is just the world that we live in and um they're so they're still making their way out of this uh port wherever they are and um and minimus observes that there are a lot of bots around who look like rewind and we do see a lot of the little right. data slugs data slug 
is. And Rewind just says it's basically just because there are less of other bots around. So the data slugs are now more obvious because they're not blending in with other smaller, I assume, quote unquote, uh, quote unquote disposable classes. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and he again brings up, like you were saying, the mass recall and um, and they're being uh they're like almost like having their passports. It's like the equivalent of a passport yeah, kind of scanned. Uh, let um, me see your papers type deal. Absolutely. And it kind of looks like like this moment reminds me of the game Papers, Please. If anybody's ever played or watched that, they have um they call these guys functionaries. This one is very much just Judge Dredd. Like that's yeah, essentially I, who's I looking at their up papers. On that pretty quick. <laughs> yes. This dude is designed to look like Dredd. Very, very much so. So he's the one looking at their papers and um, Minimus has there's kind of a hiccup with his because he like we learned right, earlier, he's, he's been, been away too for too million years. So his yes. stuff is out of date and he says, Well, I'm a minesweeper and he goes, Well, I've never seen that design. Uh and so he has to check his transformation cog, but Minimus says, Well, you need a warrant for that. And again, world building type stuff. Yes. Which is yeah, very interesting. Um and you know, and Minimus points out, which I feel like we could all agree if you were a creature, uh, a a type who had a transformation cog that somebody essentially, yeah, this dude's like, I have to look inside your body to look and observe your transformation cog. And Minimus is like, hey, that's, you know, invasion of privacy. Um, uh, and he points but he out, lets him do it. And... Right. And he points out that the reason for that is because there are bots who are basically adding things to their body to appear to be a different Olmet so that they can right. get into a different class. And Rewind calls them pretenders, which is like a shout out to a toy line. Uh, the pretenders is like a, a grouping of transformers. Um, but yes, he and he does say they add conspicuous kibble onto them. So he's saying 10,000 Shanix will get you a chest-mounted cockpit, 20,000, and you can have a microscope on your back. Um, so yes, essentially to try to trick people into thinking you are a more important bot than you actually are in this system. Right. And Minimus says, well, that's a lot just across boundaries. And Ruiden points out, well, I mean, a better classification means better fuel and better pay. So it's right. Better everything if you are this kind of person. And um, then suddenly we have someone running through security. He's shoved Judge Dredd out of the way. And um, And, yeah. that dude gets his head blown off. He does indeed. We have another functionary kind of show up. He was chasing him. So, yes, he ends up being shot in his head. It just explodes, which we've uh, seen a few times in these comics at this yes. point. And they they sort of radio back to base and say the last Lunabot has been recalled. So now we know what recalling is. Yes. Um, which And they had mentioned before, since they don't have Luna 2, they don't need Lunabots anymore. Right. And there you go. That was the last one. Which So, and then at the very bottom, we see the text that says Cybertron present day, which yeah. is even more confusing now. Um, but, uh, but we yeah, go back so, to the Lost Light. Yeah, head back to the Lost Light, and- where we... This this red stuff coming out of it, is that the quantum engine? No, those are the uh, fuel quills that they've mentioned before. So oh, they're, the Lost sure. Light has like, yeah, they call them, they're like quills off the top of it. <laughs> they just kind of... Uh, I guess I've never seen it from that angle. Yeah, so you, if you go back and look at the ship, you'll see them. It's almost like a little shock of hair on top of <laughs> the Lost Light, but they're just, yeah, they're huge... I guess that's, I don't know exactly, obviously, how they work. I'm not sure, but that's what they call them, are the quills. That presumably hold the fuel or create, I don't know. 
Um, but that's what those are. So no worries. The quantum engines, I'm sure, are fine because everybody is alive. Um, so uh, we can see it is a wide shot of the ship and Chrome Dome is shouting and he's saying, stand away from the door. I'm coming in. He, he like pries the door open, but we can see like smoke coming off of his wheels, like, right. Or off he, of his uh, arm at least. Had to tear um, it off basically. Yes. He tore his way into wherever Rewind is sleeping here. <laughs> Poor tiny Rewind is <laughs> like on skew on the ground. He's half on his bed, also on the ground. Um, like he's fallen off. Um, and Chrome Dome has rushed into his room because he of course was concerned about him because apparently rewind was making noise and rewinds like no it's i'm I'm okay it was just a bad dream um and he's saying it's a, a flashback you know because he's got all of this right. he's, in his a head a lot of shit happened to him right um <laughs> he does lament the door that is now just pulled apart <laughs> does not exist <laughs> No um, privacy anymore in this room. Um, and, and very quickly, they get into the idea that, like, Chromium's like, well, why aren't you sleeping in my head, sweet? He's like, because that, I'm not the same rewind as the rewind that you were with. And he's going, yes, you were. You're rewind. What are you talking about? Right. We're seeing there. And, and I'm glad that this is addressed because it is. It's an interesting yeah. and a very, it's a unique situation. One that is, you know, nobody has had to deal with this before they are technically they're the same people but different you know, iterations right rewinds keep saying my chrome dome and of course rewinds chrome dome was murdered in front of him by the djd and chrome domes rewind was killed presumably by him when he shot the uh the pod that had rewind and overlord in it so both of them have had to deal with seeing the other one die at this point right but then we they are the same person but they've lost the other one and so and they've had different experiences because rewind points out here like this ornament that you gave me a ruby (laughs) chrome dome says oh you got that at hedonia he's like which yeah so it's it's very it's sad reading these pages i remember reading these the first time and even the way like the art is so chromedome looks genuinely sad in these like you yes. my heart just breaks for the poor guy in these and the fact that both of them have full-on like visors and mouth plates you don't really get a face from either of these guys but there's so much emoting going on yeah they're incredibly uh, expressive it's and chromedome is genuinely very sad in these because he's chromedome wants rewind to yes come stay in my hap suite let's live together again and he gave rewind all of rewind stuff and that's why he has this um yes the uh the raging prism that he got from hedonia which i do they did mention back in those issues um and he's so yes so there is kind of this um like a little obviously there's some sort of you know gap to kind of get over between the two of them rewind wants to kind of take it slow one step at a time and kind of get used to this again whereas chrome dome was kind of immediately like oh good you're back right come come be with me um it's it's gotta be strange seeing absolutely your spouse and not being able to talk to them as your spouse right and having it be the person who is your spouse but has experienced different things from the last time you saw your spouse right um 
but uh, but so that's what they're kind of dealing with at the base of all of this. And then, of course, we have the fact that Rewind has just woken up from this nightmare. Um, yes, and he says that he was reliving the Dark Dawn, uh, and Chromedome asks what that is, and he says, oh, it's the, the mass recall of when all the Functionists murdered all the laser pointers. And, and Chromedome has no idea what that is. Yeah, and Rewind is very factual about it. He's like, oh, no, it you know, cycle 351, that's when it would have been. And Chromedome points out, he's like, that was half a million years ago, and we didn't have functionists anymore. We were in the Manganese Mountains fighting Scorponok, and Shimmerstick was there, who is a laser pointer. Like, so whatever you're remembering, and he's uh, saying, you must have just imagined this. Um, which, by like, the way, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, just, it's interesting, because the Headmaster's cartoon, they were, like, had chrome dome, and they were fighting Scorponok in the Manganese Mountains. Oh, so, there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Rewind, like, pulls up the file, and he's reading, like, the database quote, uh, and he says that, uh, you know, ma- obsolescence chips and all these sorts of things, and Chrome Dome is like, you mean inhibitor chips? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right, he's trying to, yeah, like, Rewind is full-on quoting, like, what, from, like, from his database, he's quoting what the council it has you know what the what rules they're kind of living by and talking about downsizing the population um and by doing so they're honoring the guiding hand right uh, by reducing the demand for their finite resources essentially uh, in this thing that rewinds quoting it's saying like no well yeah we we kill people when they're not useful anymore because if you know by adaptus we don't need them um then we can save fuel for the, right. the people that we do need and, and eventually rewind realizes like wait what the fuck am i saying yeah so the clicks and he's like no you're right that didn't None of this happen. makes sense i don't know what i'm talking about either and it's so sad he's just he just asks what's happening to me that's the last thing he wonders and then we continue on to um like hey we like this guy um yeah. but we uh see in the morgue megatron is standing over they've they've put trail cutter back together as best they could um it breaks my heart he's got a rodimus star in his hand which is like in the trail cutter spotlight he was lamenting the fact that rod would not give him a rodimus star and so the fact that now his mangled corpse is here and he finally got a rodimus star oh my god how dare you oh trail cutter i know and so uh megatron is He's holding his hand like he's holding Trailcutter's, uh, like his dismembered hand in right. his own and kind of just looking at it. And um, Rod shows up and Megatron's like, OK, go ahead. Say that you were right. And the, this is all my fault because I created the DJD. And Rod's and, like, well, yeah. And it's I really love this interaction between the two of them here because Rod is at a point where this isn't, you know, he's. <sighs> Obviously, he doesn't like that Megatron's here. He doesn't like Megatron. He doesn't want him here. He, But he's almost been jokey about it. Not even jokey, but like this is a time where Rod is very... He's super serious about it. But then at yeah. the same time, he's also he's not... Rod. Right, he's still Rod. And he's... I don't know. It's interesting. It's hard to put into words what... Like the, the kind of attitude I'm getting from Rodimus here. But it's very... I feel it's very appropriate because he says, yes, you know what? If this was normal circumstances, I would tell you that's exactly it. You killed Trailcutter because of the DJD, and you almost killed. And he does mention that 
of Blue Street First Aid and Mainframe were nearly killed too, because apparently when the DJD came to pick up their boys from the movies, they then blasted at the remaining sure. audience who were down there. Um, so uh, <laughs> I do love <laughs> Rod says that uh, they blew them up in this shuttle, um, a parting gesture before they flew back to Megatron Mountain or wherever the hell they live, which I, <laughs> I love the idea of the DJD being like, get back to Megatron Mountain. That's, you know, it's very um, campy. Yeah, it's very old time like cartoony villain. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Megatron and Rod says later, we are going to sit down and discuss retaliation. But right now we have to deal with something else, which I like. I think it's very yeah that he can prioritize. Yes, and we can see he's even got a little like grumpy cloud over his head in that panel. Um, so uh, the two of them are walking down the hall now, and they're discussing. He's explaining what the brainstorm situation where uh, he opens the briefcase, everybody everybody goes out, uh, and he explains that he thinks that the ship's NJX supply got spiked with an electrosensitive poison that activated when he opens the case, and that makes sense because we've only ever seen brainstorm drinking out of his own flask. Right. He he, he mentions like yes, he very <laughs> he made a point of saying, oh no no I yeah I'm 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 hand. good. Um. And, uh, and Megatron does point out, he's like, nobody died. And <laughs> Rod's like, well, yeah, because Swerve has been watering down his drinks. So nobody got, nobody was getting full doses of this poison. And then he, of course, is like, and some people don't drink at all. So, which I do love the idea that everyone got knocked out except for Rung, who, of course, then was trapped underneath all the bigger bots who are around him. And, um, and Ultra Magnus, who, went tearing after brainstorm and i do love that we can see just him in full he's fully transformed yeah i and, don't know uh, that i've ever seen him in huge truck mode other than oh yeah uh, on hedonia right <laughs> yeah when they which i do think is interesting i know some people have i don't know if they've complained so much but some people have pointed out like they don't really use their alt modes very much and even chrome dome <laughs> has mentioned it you know, very meta in the comic itself. Like, why do we have alt modes? We never transform into them. Um, but there you go. Magnus knew that's faster. So he went tearing after Brainstorm or at least tearing out, you know, to go get him. And, um, Rod points out that Brainstorm had a disseminator gun, um, which we can see kind of just pulled right. Magnus apart, but it was like the Magnus armor. He, yeah, it just he wasn't totally hurting strips him. him of all he, of yeah. his, uh, he upgrades. incapacitated him, yes. So yeah, Rod is saying, by the time Ultra Magnus got back together, um, Brainstorm was gone. And of course, Megatron brings up a very good point. Uh, we're on a ship in space. <laughs> Where did Brainstorm possibly go? He can't have gotten far. Because even if he did, like, take a shuttle, right. like, let's go get him. <laughs> and Rod says, well, first of all, he calls him Megs in this moment, which I love. And um, he says, it looks like Brainstorm's about four million years away. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that he's like yeah he uh, he Perceptor thinks he traveled back in time uh, and Megatron <laughs> because Megatron is, just... is very like even in that panel even after Rod says he's like say that again like <laughs> you have to be yourself and I just want to take a moment and preface this by saying this is one of my most favorite moments and maybe all of Transformers um this scene right here and. We'll go through the scene and then I will kind of talk about why I love it so much. Um, and cause Megatron is, yeah, Rod says, Perceptor thinks he traveled back in time four million years. 
and Megatron is just like digesting it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just kind of thoughtful, and then and Ron's and, like, "No, yeah, take your time." And uh, yeah, Megatron's still still thinking about it, and then he very calmly says, "This conversation is ridiculous," and then he <laughs> blows the fuck up. Megatron just goes on a tirade, and he <laughs> just shouts about all the things that's going on that like he's done this to himself. He's like everything on the ship right. is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, we need to remember that the whole reason Megatron is here is so that he can find the Knights of Cybertron and they get tried by them for genocide. Right, for what he's done. And like, after he just goes on and on about this ridiculous quest that they're on, this, he calls it a, the shambles of a quest. Uh, he could, says that they, it's just been an endless parade of nonsense, which is one of my favorite lines ever. Um, and he <laughs> is saying like, you know why even bother looking for the knights because that is why they're here that's what they're supposed to be doing right. but why bother because he has already convict been convicted and this is his pun punishment like being on this ship with these people is punishment enough for all the shit that he's gone through is essentially what rounds out this just explosion i which... mean it's it's gotta be the goofiest situation megatron's ever been in that he's like absolutely in a sitcom on a spaceship right. like you go from being the leader of the decepticons who are primarily you know feared and revered throughout multiple galaxies and now you are captaining co-captaining a ship that you know as the guiding right. light or as the yeah as the circle of it. light right swerve is here so that's you know that's your first hint of what it's like uh, but the circle of light even pointed out when skids was showing them the footage of you know the rewind took of the crew like to try to get people to join them up um or join up with them the circle of yeah. light was like, you guys don't do anything. <laughs> you are only amusing yourselves. Uh, you, it's just a pack of idiots going around not making any difference. Um, and that's where Megatron finds himself now aboard uh, that ship. And how great is this little moment that uh, Ultra Magnus <laughs> Immediately is like, after. You feeling <laughs> okay, buddy? You get all of it out of your system? <laughs> Megatron, yeah. Magnus's response is just better. And Megatron, of course, after taking a breath. After all of that, it's like, yes, I apologize. And Magnus is immediately like, you are fine. Like, a minor breakdown is practically a rite of passage. Because Magnus knows, like, oh, yeah. of all people on this ship, to relate to He's what... like, no, buddy, I get it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm with you. I understand this. So, that scene in itself, and, like, it's one of those moments where I feel like we can look at, and first of all, it's just hilarious. As I was saying, like, the fact that 34 had that page that was the hardest thing for me to read aloud, this took me, like, three times because it was so funny. Everything Megatron was saying was so ridiculously hilarious to me. And just the fact that he is the one saying it. Um, so you can look at this moment and... Of course. And like we just said, Megatron is suddenly in the situation he's never been in before. He's surrounded by people he's never been surrounded by before. And um, yeah, he has a little breakdown, which is to be expected. And, um, you know, you can see it as just this kind of funny thing in Carry On, which it absolutely is. And that's absolutely fair. Sure. But I love it so much because of how this entire situation, this brief moment plays out. The fact that <laughs> Rodimus, like it all starts with the fact that Rod presents 
a ridiculous notion to him very factually very just yeah yes. this is just what happens on the lost light right brainstorm has traveled back in time for a million years and he just yeah he presents it as fact like this is just perceptor who is our most intelligent person on board has just has this is what brainstorm has done he has time traveled four million years and so that's where it all starts because of course what like if somebody came to you and was like oh yeah they traveled back in time 100 years but like was totally serious about it you would be like like if you get home you're like hey where's dad oh the 1800s (laughs) and uh so like it starts there and of course megatron is like uh, you i'm sorry what and rod's like yes that's what he said yeah that's that's pretty par for the course yeah you know and then we do we get those perfect panels like the fact that megatron has two panels before his blow up where he's very he's not he's not really he's chewing it over yeah he's he's thinking about what he how he wants to handle this what he wants to say what's suddenly going through his head and you can see he's being very thoughtful about it and i like to imagine he was going to be very calm about the response and then he's like no you know what you know and he starts and as he's going i imagine he's just getting angrier and angrier as he's saying his like as he's speaking it's becoming truth in the air and it's just (laughs) making him more and more mad as he's going and it's such a like it's so well written and it's so real like you know you've been there before when then the more you talk you're like no i'm totally right and then you're just getting more and more hype off of your own anger but even before that even before like those that moment there's a panel between megatron's two like thoughtful panels and it's one of it's a very kind of sweet moment from rodimus here where he says okay no rush and it's such a patient right he's like no yeah i get it right and like even the look on his face like even though he's not really doing anything it's such a patient kind of like yeah it's all right i I, yeah (laughs) i get your thinking about it and i really love that for some reason that panel stands out to me a whole bunch between sandwiched between these two uh hesitant kind of panels from megatron (laughs) and then of course megatron loses his mind for a hot second understandably so and then immediately after, it is bookended by Ultra Magnus being immediately understanding and almost comforting in a way to Megatron and being like, and you know, as he says, he says, no, no, d- don't feel the need to apologize. You are in your right to have just blown up like that. I I've been in it. your shoes before, buddy. Right. And of all people on board, it's like, yes, Ultra Magnus, thank goodness he was here. He is the one who would relate most to everything Megatron just said. So I think that's the way it's the entire package of that moment. I love so much. I think it is very, it's a very real moment. It's right. A very believable. You can imagine <laughs> off-panel Ultra Magnus being like, "Did I tell you about the time they had to shrink down inside of me?" <laughs> like he's just like, "Oh, honey, if you think this is bad." <laughs> um, but also, again, and for my own ridiculous uh, enjoyment, I I love I love that uh, Magnus and Megatron do have this kind of like there's an understanding between them because they're the two probably most rat like logical yeah they're serious they're yeah they they're trying to do their work here and they are just surrounded by office clowns and it's yeah it gets it gets them sometimes so anyway that's why i just had to take a moment and really shine a spotlight on that scene because i love it so much um 
And now we can continue. <laughs> Thank you for letting me speak. I'm, I'm more than glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, and so we we see Ultra Magnus sort of explaining away the NJX poisoning that happened at Swerve. And he's like, oh, well, it's just bad NJX. Uh, that's what and we're yeah, going to tell everybody. That's it. And yeah, I really love Magnus here. Magnus is like, it's just, uh, yeah, everybody's working so well in these pages. I love this team up of Magnus and Megatron and Rodimus. I feel like they are they're they're working really well together here and i like it a lot um because yeah megatron does want to he's like okay who else knows um and um and like who else knows about brainstorm leaving right. and what he's done and magnus does say like the three of us know perceptor knows and whoever else was there when you found out that again they found out brainstorm had decepticon logo inside his mask um so and megatron does say he's everybody who knew that was asked to keep it to themselves right. um uh, so yes they're gonna explain away why everybody was knocked out it was just bad injects uh, and rod says here that brainstorm didn't time jump to get away from killing everybody uh he tried to kill everybody so he'd be free to time jump well and that's megatron saying that but uh, uh sure, sure. it does it, the bubble looks like it's coming from rodimus uh but rod's there to say time jump using it um because <laughs> that's the term megatron decides to use um and even when rod's like hey yeah that's a good term he's like got a thumbs up and everything like yeah good one megs um but yes Brainstorm was trying to prevent anyone from coming after him. Um, so he could time jump. So he could jump back for a million years. And, um, so the Magnus is like, why does he want to go back in time? Like, why is he even doing this? And Rod's like, okay, uh, but think about it this way. He's a Decepticon. His team lost and you have right. a time machine. Like, what do you do? You go back in time and try to change it. Yeah. Uh, and we go back to Cybertron here. Yes, present day Cybertron. Uh, Minimus Ambus is meeting up with Dominus Ambus. Yes, they make it to the Hab Suite. Um, and Rewind's like, oh, well, there's some stuff you should probably know. But then they get there and we can see that there's footage on the television. Yeah, of a what looks like a riot. Yes, a riot. <laughs> there's a protester with a flaming transformation cog. And they're shouting, live your life without purpose, change everything by doing nothing, all hail the useless one. And then she throws it and we do, they do address her with female pronouns. Right. And, uh, she looks a lot like Rung, right? She does, which is, yes. And that is uh, something to take away from that. She. Okay. So that's relevant. Looks, yes. Okay. Um, and so, yeah. So you should think that she looks like Rung. Um, cause I, yeah, I thought that too. It was like, well, she's very clearly, she, she, that's who she looks like. Um, and they're saying, and so then she throws the transformation cog. So it's very much, you know, this fighting back against the, the you know, the, the capitalist the, functionist sort of yes. system of you are the things you can do. And then they're saying, well, if I do nothing, then what am I? Right. Then what do you do? So she throws the transformation cog and she, as we've seen before, gets her head blown off. Um, and, and that's where this, the panel where she's getting her head blown off is the moment we can see, we can also infer that she kind of resembles wrong is that the glasses we've seen wrong wear are coming off of her face. Right. As they're, they're separate pieces. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know rewind and they're just kind of discussing what they've just seen here rewind is saying attack the council by attacking your alt mode like like she was just saying refuse to be what 
you turn into. Um, and uh, Minimus says, I'm amazed this was on TV. And Ramon's like, oh, it's not. Dominus just hacks into spy satellites all the time. And Minimus immediately is like, what? Are you guys rebels? <laughs> oh, my God. And Ramon's like, okay, but uh, just a second before I answer that. How did you feel about that dude back at the airport or wherever? How did you feel about that Lunabot getting killed? Uh, and and, and Minimus hesitates. To, right. He, Rewind has to reassure him, like, don't worry, this place isn't bugged or anything. He's saying it might be the only blind spot left on Cybertron, this half suite, which is huge. Um, and Minimus then admits he says he, he felt sick by it. He felt sick by that guy being killed. Um, and Rewind's like, good, you should feel that way because it was awful. And um, yeah, it's he says it's an exercise in municipal eugenics and that they talk about refining the population and that, you know, a lot of dictator type shit. Yes. And um, and it was like, OK, so that's all that you are rebels. And um, Rewind is like, well, you know, well, OK, let's have Don come in and talk to us about this. And now we see Dominus Ambus and he does yeah. not look the same as we've seen him before. He's he's beyond Impurata. He's got just a straight up TV for a head. Right. He's just got a monitor for a face and it just says across is, it. Hello. Right. Okay. Very, very cool look for what it's worth. Very cool look because, yeah, Greg and I are people who enjoy TV head robots anyway. <laughs> but it, it does have a certain different feel to it in this uh you know in this universe where right. robots have faces and you know walk around a lot and even empirata victims are you know they have sure, the single optic and, and yes like we haven't really seen at least yeah like tv heads these monitor heads aren't really a thing and um yeah and the monitor explains just... that like uh empirata became too common so they had to find <laughs> something else yeah, it's oh, it's such a good, powerful page, this next one. It's another page with a lot of text on it because it's all Dominus speaking and he doesn't have a voice anymore. He has to speak through the text on his screen. And um, yeah, he explains that, you know, Empirata was used as a means of othering people who have defied the council or the Senate. Like it was a way of, which we know, like we've seen right. obviously shockwave. We've seen world. We, we know these guys, we know that this has happened, but he's saying it in this universe where they are or wherever they are, whatever this is, that was happening so much that it wasn't weird to people anymore. Like Empirata was not a thing that right. other youth. Everybody knew because somebody it was, with Empirata. Yeah. So it became a norm. So the next step was to take away, he even says, if you want people to look, look beyond your alt mode and beyond what you do, you have to channel everything into what you have to say and how you say it. And so when you remove a person's face and voice, now suddenly they can't express themselves as they once could. Um, uh, and as he's saying that, a, a pop-up from the Functionist Council basically takes over his screen. Yeah, so the, every now and again, he'll just get a little pop-up, and this one says, Smile, today's a good day, tomorrow will be even better. And it's a mood prompt issued by the Functionist Council, which is, you know, and of course Minimus is like, what What was that? That wasn't him. And Rewind's like, yep, it just, like, that's, like, yep, that's it's supposed of, to be distracting. It's, part of knowing him now. And he says, you know, Rewind even says his face is council property. And that's why they can do that. Um, and of and course, Minimus is... 
Right. He, he's shocked by that. And he, uh, Dominus says the, the very compelling point that there have only ever been two classes, the council and everyone else, which is how it happens when you embrace these sort of case systems, that no matter how many levels they set up or rearrange, there's only really the haves and have nots. Right. Absolutely. And so that's where Rewind is saying, you know, you, you see what we're dealing with. Are you going to like, will you help us please? And, um, before he doesn't really answer, Minimus is like, I, I have to go. I, it's not because I'm trying to avoid this, at least not entirely, but he, as we know, as we will recall, he is here because he is no longer, uh, the, uh, Right. The he's, primal vanguard is no more, so he's here to see about getting a new he's got job. A job interview. Yes, and um, yeah. So he's saying he has to meet up with the rest of the bots who were once the primal vanguard, and um, they got they they're going to go get new jobs. And um, <laughs> uh, and as he's leaving, rewind kind of asks Dominus like, "Well, what do you think? Can we trust him?" And Dominus is like, "Well, yeah, but he's always kind of been hard to read." <laughs> Uh, and I do like that we get this kind of a more full body shot of Dominus, which we've yeah. seen. We've seen him before. He's, you know, he's this huge imposing bot. He's, you know, he's a very big. Sure. Um, I don't know, kind of your superhero type body on a robot. And then it's this very then like incongruous yes this then monitor head that doesn't fit the rest of him at all um again visually i'm super into it generally the more removed from a humanoid design somebody (laughs) is the more i'll be into it which it is very often that's that's a surprise with you liking rural and shockwave so much i never would have guessed such a thing um but no i totally get it um uh but then we go to the cog Yes, and we can see it's this floating, it looks like a giant floating transformation cog in the air Uh, above the city. Right, and we see uh, a list of everyone in here, the 12 people and the sort of functionist logo there. Yes. So we figure these guys have to be important. Yes, so they do say council in session, so this is the council. This is the functionist council. There are 12 of them, and they are all sitting around this, again, this very, everything is cogs here, Every even they look like cogs and um Uh, it's it's very interesting it's extremely interesting and um even one of the alternate covers to this issue the the main cover which is gorgeous and just stunning um with the the neon writing is one of my favorites but then the alternate cover is uh, three of 12 i think on the front of it and um oh it, it looks great if you haven't seen the alternate cover everybody look look up the covers for all of these are always great but this one you get a really great shot of some of the of a council member um so and we have seen one of the council members before back when we were learning about overlord and when they found his 0.1 percenter spark um so anyway so this council meeting is coming to right. order and they're discussing um the rollout and the mass recall um and they 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 sort of come to the idea that data slugs will no longer be important right because they bring up they're kind of like well the uh they're useful like they do still have use but since they can store information, right. that information could potentially be used against us. And that threatens our ability to govern. So they have to, right. it's up to them they're, to intervene. They are since they're a threat, we need to get rid of them. Yes. And so the data slugs are to be recalled, which is a big deal because we right. really love a little data slug. 
Um, but before we can see what happens there, we hop back to, in this present day, the Lost Light. Yep, there's our, our good yeah. boy Percy. Yeah, and he's he's got this all laid out and he's kind of, and he's laying out what Brainstorm needed. He's saying Brainstorm needed four things to do this. He needed one, a time machine. He needed two, the means to power the time machine. And three, he needed means to travel in space as well as time. And Rod interrupts and is like, the briefcase was a time machine, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and this is a really cool reveal because yes. we've, we've been told, you know, the Brainstorm's whole thing, Brainstorm has a briefcase was his... Uh, that was his very first intro into, right. well, uh, into this More Than Me CI series, yes. And the very first thing we know about him is this briefcase he has, very important. He's carried the briefcase with him everywhere. And we always and, wondered what's in it. Right. And we, we've seen the briefcase and it because of the two universes we're like oh there's two briefcases now yeah now we're looking at like 50 briefcases he's got a lot of briefcases that's a cool idea a very cool idea what a great reveal and they're all laid out beautifully on the floor which i'm sure perceptor was you know very right (laughs) or whether perceptor did it or brainstorm did it all the briefcases are laid out in this lovely little pattern on the floor and perceptor's like very fun to draw oh yes i'm sure and uh but yes perceptor's like all of these are the time machine and um perceptor explains that they're all parts of one machine and um they all appear empty because of course we saw nautica night be open the one that they found on the alternate lost light right and, and there was nothing was in it, it. But we do remember it did some funky things to the panels. Right. Uh, started messing with the localized time. Yes. So there you go. That was a little kind of hint as to what these briefcases were doing. Um, it was, yeah, it was kind of shuffling time around. Um, and so Perceptor explains that each one appears empty. The components of the time machine are in the lining, like they're within right, the walls built of the, into briefcases. the briefcase. So he was hiding them. And so that's why he always had one. He always had at least one of these briefcases with him. Right. Um, and they were all part of this grand machine that he's been building for who knows how long. Maybe we'll find out. Um, and so Perceptor does say he's taken the control case with him. And that is the one that matters. That control case connects him, keeps him connected to them now here. Um, and so he's saying, depending on what he's doing, this here and now isn't going to exist for much longer. Right. Uh, and Rod says, how's it work, Quantum Engines? He's like, yep. And he's like, damn, I'm good. <laughs> Rod looks very smug. He's got like a fist pump. He's like, yes, I'm on fire today. Um, so yeah, so we know he's powering it with the Quantum Engines. And uh, Perceptor brings up the point that he's like, the time machine itself is connected to Brainstorm Spark as a security measure. Yes. So the only people who could... Go through potentially the time follow machine, him. Right, yes, have to be his same spark type. Uh, and the other thing that he points out is basically <laughs> anyone can make a time machine. That's not a problem. The real <laughs> problem is setting it up so that when you create a time paradox by changing something in the past, uh, the the future is affected properly Uh, right he's saying yes brainstorm found a way around the paradox trap which i do love when he says that and before he explains it the looks on (laughs) magnus and megatron's faces are very like they look like shocked cartoon characters like i don't know what that means um and so yes then perceptor is explaining like because yeah if you think about it if time travel he's saying if brainstorm goes back in time to make sure the decepticons win then he will never be on this ship to 
build the time machine to go back right. in time. That's uh, the pair, of course. And so he points out that the way this works is that he goes back, it preserves the original timeline, which is to say our current timeline, yes, just enough for the new one to bed in and establish itself so that it can't be undone, which will then undo the current timeline. Right. So eventually where they are now will be undone but not until Brainstorm kind of cements right. whatever change he's making. Because, yeah, even Magnus was like, well, we're all still here, so if Brainstorm is going back and changing stuff, it's he must not have failed, or he must have failed because we're all still here, it's all fine. Um, and Perceptor, of course, is saying, but that's the point, because we could already be compromised and we just don't know it because we can't see it, which we as readers all know is the case right. because we're seeing this functionist state back on cybertron right that's apparently in the present time so that's exactly perceptors right like it is happening they just don't know it yet i do really like these next three panels because rod is like well (sighs) won't that just create a parallel universe which is how the marvel universe works anytime there's a time paradox it just makes a new universe and perceptors like uh no that's dumb He does. He has a total like science burn here. Like, uh, second rate scientists, uh, <laughs> get to avoid the actual implications right, of time like, travel. Oh, by that's just too easy. <laughs> Perceptor, you're a smarty pants. I love it. Um, and yeah, so a little, little diss there, a little burn. Um, and, uh, but yeah, he says, you know, brainstorm confronted the implications head on. And that's what we're dealing with now is that essentially he's saying, no, Rodimus, there won't be an alternate universe. No, we're just dealing with the here and the now. And yes. So, um, Magnus, of course, is like, okay, great. What do we do though? Like, do we, take apart the time machine like can we stop him by destroying the machine itself and perceptor's like no 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 that's just gonna strand him wherever he is and that will probably right. just make whatever he's done permanent that'll result um, in this universe going away yes um <laughs> and uh so magnus I, I do you can just see him he's he's very desperately trying to figure out what to do which i appreciate i'm like yes go get him like you i appreciate your your desire to jump in and do something about this ultra magnus um so he's just like what do we do like we're just supposed to sit here and wait like and let him render our timeline like render this all obsolete um and rod's like no let's go after him uh and they have a way to do that because the control case that they'll use is the one from the other lost light right perceptor saying we need a control case and megatron's like great we have one because they found one on the other lost light and it's still here so we now know and we can see it's in nightbeat's uh hab suite um because of course he kept it well yeah (laughs) that's what he does he lives for this stuff um and magnus again is taking a step back here and being like okay listen okay we're all hype we're all into this now like yes let's go after him but again what is brainstorm actually doing like we should probably know what the goal is here and um like this is besides just changing the war like yeah like magnus yeah he's like we i know that that's what he's trying to do but how right uh and rod says well we can ask megatron and megatron says well if i were trying to win four million years ago the first thing i would have done is take out orion pax right like if that's what you're doing if you were jumping four million years in the past and you were trying to stop 
the war from being won by the Autobots, you take out the Autobot leader. Right. Uh, before he becomes the Autobot leader. Exactly. Right. Killing Orion Pax, who, yes, was still Orion Pax four million years ago. Um, and then we hop back to present day Cybertron. Right. Uh, uh, and we see the data slugs are being recalled. Yeah. They're all kind of collapsing in the street. And I do want to point this out. We have some uh, cameos here. We've had them throughout these uh, these looks at present day Cybertron. Uh, Alex Milne was kind of having fun. He was saying, you know, he added in um, some kind of versions from bots from other uh, like show continuities. Sure. Which I think is fun. So like at the beginning, we have some like jet fires and even in this panel, we have a uh, bulkhead here yeah. off to the right here. Yeah. So he's familiar if you guys have seen Prime. Um, and then Hotshot is on the left there. So, so it is fun if you do know some of those older, um, those older bot designs, they kind of show up in this, this, whatever this version of Cybertron is. Um, but yes, we have Minimus like zooming down the street and, uh, yeah, uh, data slugs yeah, are being are recalled by, yes, all um, around him. <laughs> And he, he finds Rewind and he says, you need to hide or something, even though, like, what good is that going to do? Um, and Rewind says, no, I'm fine. It's Dominus. Uh, and Dominus can't speak because the Functionist took his entire vocabulary. All he's got left is, like, yes, no, up, down, stuff like that. And um, he's saying, yeah, Rewind's saying that's all he can say and he can't even process. Right. If you speak complex sentences, he won't understand them. Which is huge. So clearly the Functionists have stepped even further into how much they were already impeding on him. And um, which is, you know, rewinds like, like there, I do love that he says it's, there are certain words minimus, there are tiny words, important words that you can't afford to lose, which I think is very sweet. Um, But then we see Dominus's screen as rewind is explaining what's happened to minimus we see dominus's screen say this is what happens when you act against us which is horrifying and immediately they're like that's not a pop-up like that and he's yeah. not saying that obviously um so they know now the council's talking directly to them through dominus which uh, means that they can see them right and the next message even says look at your friend look your friend in the eye and ask him what he does and rewinds like what do you do and right. Minimus is like nothing i we became surveillance officers we're supposed to just watch stuff and he goes oh shit uh, and they, very quickly he said oh god they've done something in my eyes yeah uh, and they've been watching rewind and dominus through minimus ambus's eyes right and they even explain again through dominus's screen when they were all on their way back to cybertron so from the very beginning they had switched out Minimus's eyes. So they'd already seen the Hab Suite. They've already seen, which is why when he got back, Dominus was already kind of pushed even more, like he was already taken over even more. Right. And um, and Rewind, of course, is kind of saying, uh, you know, now he's reading the screen that's saying now there's a full spectrum surveillance. Everyone is watching everyone. Everybody will have these new eyes. And now there aren't any black spots. There aren't any. Right. It's total, absolute surveillance forever. And of course, Sweet Rewind's like, no way. I'm stopping you. I'm going to stop this. I, like, all of this is going to end. Right. And he says, you can't reach me because Dominus found a way to deactivate my obsolescence chip. Uh, and they say, well, what about the backup? And he goes, oh, shit. Uh, and, and he blows up. His head starts to. Yeah, it's. 
there's just smoke coming out of his eyes and he collapses in Dominus's arms, which is super sad. And then the very last panel again is Dominus's screen, or it's not even Dominus's screen. It's a right. shot of outside their place. And it's just a big billboard that says, we are your eyes, which at the beginning was you are our eyes. Right. So there you go. The switch has happened. Ooh. So wherever this is, yikes. Not good. And it does say an elegant chaos prologue. So the next three issues are elegant chaos. And we will be discussing those in two weeks. Because that is the end of 35. Cliffhanger! Total cliffhanger. But oh man, <laughs> the next three issues. So good. So good. So that's the other thing is um, the Humble Bundle went to issue 37. But Elegant Chaos ends on issue 38, so we will be discussing right, so 36, 37, and 38 next time. Next time we get to it, uh, we will have officially surpassed our original goal. Yes. Good we job, made everybody. it. We did it. I'm so proud of you, team. Uh, it's going to do it for us. Yeah, I don't know if there's... like. So this is obviously, you can see, this is where, since we know that this is an alternate or some form of Cybertron, since it's present-day Cybertron, this is just, obviously, this is things that are very different, and um, why yeah. the things are just going to stay vague, and... <laughs> um, but yeah, so if there are any other questions, though, hopefully we've kind of covered or cleared up some stuff if there was any confusion, um, but if there's still confusion or questions, um, as always, let us know, and we'll see what we can do. We're very good at that. We try. We try. Um, but yeah, how about you? Are you uh, you good? Yeah, I think I'm following everything going on here. I think I have a good... I mean, the nice thing about the show is that I read everything before it, and then as we're going through, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I get that now. Uh, good, good. <laughs> so, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. Uh, um, yeah. Transformonauts, any questions? There are no dumb questions, Transformonauts. Right. Transformonauts, it's okay. No one's going to think you're a stupid idiot. Nobody. We would never. I At least I would never. No have... one here is going to think you're a dumb, stupid moron. Transformonauts don't leave. He didn't. He's not. Transformonauts, okay. it's all right. Everybody was an ignorant, dumb <laughs> idiot once. <laughs> you're so mean to the Transformonauts. Yeah, they have. Yeah. <laughs>